and the mouse keep running, running, and 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 running, running, Welcome back to the Weird Science Marvel Comics Podcast, episode 380. I am Jim, one of your hosts, and I'll be joined by Jason in just a second. And we're going to be going through a a lot of books, probably the most books that we've had on this podcast. Nine books total, two of those versus lightning rounds. But we end up having a ton of stuff going on. I hope everybody enjoys the expanded coverage. And if you do, what you can do is go over to Twitter at WS Marvel Comics. Follow us. We'll follow you back. Then you can go to our website, weirdsciencemarvelcomics.com. Then our Instagram, Weird Science Comic. And then finally, go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash weirdscience, where you can help us out for all these things that we do. And if you have been playing at home here, you'll also realize that we haven't had a Star Wars podcast in a couple weeks. It's not because we got lazy. It's not because we didn't want to talk about anything. There hasn't been any of the Star Wars books that we talk about that have come out. We will this week. So just as a side note, on a Sunday, Sunday night, on this feed, me and my man Matt will be back with Star Wars, and it's actually the flagship Star Wars book that came out this week. So just a little aside there. But if you love the podcast and you want some more, and you love the Marvel comics, well, here we go. Over at the Patreon this week, the badasses of the Get Fresh crew, uh, uh, they picked two books from this week's total books, and those two end up being Patreon-only podcasts where me and Jason talk about What If Miles Morales, number one, and Strange, number one. The badasses, they like themselves the number one issues. It makes sense. They want them all to themselves. So you have to go over to Patreon listen to that. Some other things. That I am doing over at the Patreon right now that are Marvel-centric is I am doing a Ultimate Marvel Universe podcast where I'm going through the Ultimate books. Right now, I am in the bit of the Ultimate Spider-Man. I believe I just did issue number 10 just the other day, but that is an every week podcast. It's just like a standard podcast. There's a lot of podcasts like that there. We also end up having a crisis Type comic book crisis power hour podcast that we like to call it. And we are going through Secret Wars. We're going back and forth. It goes between Secret Wars one week, next week, do Crisis on Infinite Earths, then back to Secret Wars. And we're getting close to the end of that. We ended up just doing Secret Wars number nine. So we end up having a couple more issues of that. And then, just as a shout out, we haven't even said anything to anybody about this. After that, We're going to end up doing the George Perez JLA Avengers book. So that'll be on the Patreon as well in our crisis podcast. So those are just two little things going on. Another little shout out is at the end of this month, the last week of this month of March, we will have Patreon only shows, this show and the Star Wars show. Those will be Patreon only everything for that week. So that's another reason to go. And sign up. And if you do go sign up now, you won't be charged anything right away. You can just sign up. You can use the whole month of March as a free sample type deal, free trial. You'll only get charged if you decide it's for you and carry on into April. If you don't, you'll never get charged. No fuss. 
no muss, as Andrew in Belfast is wont to say. But with all that, that's enough. I'm getting a little verklempt here. We're going to go off me and Jason talking about, like I said, nine books, starting with Amazing Spider-Man. And I'm here with my man Jason. What up, Jason? Hello, Jim. How are you this fine day? Well, I'm great now. We'll see how I am after a couple of these books, because, yeah, it's one of those things. We're starting at the top. Yeah, it, it can only get better, I guess. But again... You end up doing a podcast and some people, you know, they tune in or whatnot. Oh, what are these guys about? It just might be that if this is the first time listening, you might get a little <laughs> skewed idea first, and think first that. Off, welcome. We're yeah, glad you're yeah, here. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm not but, this hateful uh, yeah. most of the times. But, hey, what can you do? I'm not going to say I'm a gem, but still, we're going to start off the festivities here with Amazing Spider-Man number 91. Written by Kelly Thompson, Sarah Pacelli, and Fran Galan on pencils, Brian Reber colors, DC's Joe Carmagna on letters. After a couple of glorious months working for Beyond Corporation of Spider-Man, that I, I think we missed out on those, but Ben Riley's life is falling apart, the leader of the Beyond Corporation superhero program, and Ben's boss, Ma- Maxine Danger, or Donger, as I like to say, has been messing with Ben's memories, and Ben discovered that Beyond has a supervillain program on Staten Island. Do they? I mean, is this super villain? Have you been to Staten Island? How would you tell? Yeah, really. Ben, oh my God, Jason really throwing it out there. (laughs) Take that, Staten Island people. Ben and his Staten Island ease. Yes, and Ben and his girlfriend Janine decided that Beyond couldn't be allowed to exist, so Janine went to a safe location while Ben went to Staten Island to try to somehow take down Beyond single-handedly. Fortunately, Ben doesn't have to go it alone, as the original Spider-Man Peter Parker has come to help his clone-slash-friend-slash-brother-slash-maybe-Deadpool sidekick tie-in. This ends up being at the end of last issue, I said oh. to you, I am worried because this should be the biggest thing. This is Peter this is back peak, right. teaming got, up with Ben. We've been doing this Beyond arc for 20-something issues or so. We've got all building up to this. We have, you know, right at the peak, we finally got Peter out of the hospital. He's at 50%. We've got Ben. You know, he's kind of shaking. He's at 50%. Put them together. Make one good Spider-Man. That was a nice line from Mary Jane. This should be the dramatic peak of the entire epic story. And Kelly Thompson just wipes her rear but, end all <laughs> over the story. Well, here's the thing where <laughs> – I had to stop and think, which which podcast am I on? Yeah, we're not on the spotlight. <laughs> With this, though, if you end up – and please do this for me. End up, as you're reading this. Just pretend that everything that's going on is just Deadpool, not either of the Spider-Men, and that's what you get here. This is Kelly Thompson yeah, the, who the wrote. The whole tone of this is nothing matters. No, nope, no, nope, nothing. Is, nothing matters. Ha ha, silly schmilly. We're gonna yeah. throw in all these. Oh, oh, we get a land shark. Oh, how funny. We get the daughters of the dragon come in to rescue our incompetent heroes who finally teamed up and were supposed to be putting it all together. It's all jokey and. and we have Ben acting weird, and not weird like he's had his mind messed with, but weird like the writer hasn't read the other issues of the story, kind of weird. Just having problems, and with that, you would think Peter would be more into this, but with this, again, Kelly Thompson wrote what I think was a horrible Deadpool. You may disagree. Everybody has their right to disagree. I thought it was horrible. But at least you it's know Deadpool. what? And you know what? It only lasted for, you know, two volumes. So there you go. I don't and think it was very the, good. at least the whole tone of that was kind of silly. So if you put some silly things in a silly book, at least it works. But it, this, the tone here is entirely out of place. The tone out of place? You end up getting two of the characters she created in that book just here as the super villains. You get 
Colob the Pile and Mr. Frosty out of nowhere as a wink wink. You get land sharks because, you know, Kelly Thompson. It, it almost feels like she is that comedian that you go and see. And they only have one routine, and they will keep throwing it out there. They have that one joke. I mean, the idea of having any sort of land sharks Ugh. in this is just ridiculous. It's eye-rolling now. I'm sick of it. If there were like a picture on the wall, we saw a little little People Easter egg. People have stuffed of animals. Any book she does, she throws it in. It's still okay that's with getting that. annoying. I'm, I'm done with it. I get it. You did Jeff the Land Shark, and people love the Infinity comic. I love Jeff. I don't need it every time to remind me you're the one who did it. I am a supporter of Kelly Thompson and it has been. Me and Double Aaron in the Slack were fighting with people at one point because I think that she's a pretty good writer. I might have been wrong. The Black Widow book is is fine. Yeah, it's okay. It just gets delayed all the time and not much happens, but still. You end up with this. It's commonly written. Yeah. She goes into it this. It seems like she respects the character of Black Widow. It doesn't seem like she has any respect for either of the Spider Man characters. None of these writers that jump on seem to be able to realize what the tone was leading into their issue. You ended up having Cody Ziggler show up and it's fun and games nonsense. Then you finally get Zeb Wells back and really makes this book something important that you want to read and it feels big. And you have this idea, oh my God, Ben is suffering. Peter's trying to get back. And then you go where they're going to team up here and you get this nonsense, which is a Deadpool issue with the spike. I don't need this near the end. This is different. People are like, oh, and I saw reviews. They're like, oh, well, Spider-Man's always quippy. Spider-Man's supposed to be fun. You have to read the room of the story. But, I mean, even having Spider-Man make a quip in a dangerous situation is a Spider-Man thing to do. Having the whole situation be ridiculous is different. It ends up where Cody Ziggler, he wants to make goldfish and sentient sandwiches. That may beyond look ridiculously stupid. You end up near the end of this where Maxine is, you know, having problems. They're trying to figure it out. They have to reel in Ben and you get into a joke. You make Beyond look like a bunch this of yucks. This is the same corporation that made Queen Goblin. Who, yeah. I mean, whether you like the character or not, that's a serious, scary character. We had a character we know and like being transformed to something horrific and dangerous and murderous and scary. And this is their supervillain program. We're told Staten Island, this is you know where they're making these supervillains, and they're all just jokes. Yeah, and oh my god, Mr. Frosty's alive. He survived the, the whole deal of the King in Black. Nobody even knows what I'm talking about. Because nobody cares about Mr. Frosty. About. He was the sca- <laughs> he joined up with Deadpool and ended up getting swallowed by a symbiote. But then he was back. How about that that uh, the rooster with the boxing gloves? Were they all? Was that also? Does he have a name? Uh, he's gonna. I'm giving it to him. It has to be. It has to be Cockfighter. <laughs> there you go. Uh, that has to be. That's the I mean, funniest there it is. In this whole book. Yeah, yeah really. And it wasn't even in the book. I made it up. You end up having you know some of these other things where. These were characters, and they're Kelly Thompson characters. You don't need to come and fudge this up with your stupid nonsense from Deadpool. I mean, with this, why didn't somebody in this, like Peter, say, man, I feel like Deadpool? Because that's all it is. You end up having the Daughters of the Dragon come in, thankfully, because they're getting attacked by a bunch of Chihuahua demon dog things. They get attacked. And at that point, though, all of a sudden, Kelly Thompson has one thing, it seems they're like, Hey, you can, you know, yuck it up, but you have to be serious to the point where Ben starts having problems again and he's seeing that void and doesn't we know. Get the, the D-list characters come in to rescue our 
title heroes. Yeah, and and with that, they haven't even done that. I love the Daughters of the Dragon. I do like Misty and Colleen. But when they come in, they haven't been in the book at all. And they come in and they're jokey. Too much jokes going on in something that should be this issue that you open it up. And this should be one for the ages. If you sit there and I see people are going, this era of Spider-Man, it drives me nuts. This is Ben and Peter. Being able to fight together, brothers, you know, the same club, whatever the deal is, they are together for the first time since the UFOs ended up taking Peter down. This should be something that we're like, holy crap, Ben is awesome, Peter's back, together they're great, boom, and then you just have jokes get in the way constantly with this. In the meantime, the the only serious thing is Ben's still having problems. He wants his memory back. He goes to a computer, tries to get something. Maxine suddenly shows up in a hologram and says, hey, baby, why don't you come on back? He's like, no, Mm -hmm. I'm not coming back. And then she yells, okay, well, then you know what I have to do? I'm going to have to open up that door. And he goes, oh, I know what's in there. I'm going to open it up. And then just blasts it and runs away and then leaves Peter and them. Door Z has not been set up at all. I mean, this should, if we're, if we're coming to, if we're coming to a peak, you know, we should have things that happened in the past kind of, oh, turn out to be something important. But this is just completely new. We don't, we don't have any feeling, oh, no, not Door Z. And he opens it and then he leaves. Yeah, he leaves. He throws the thing to open it and leaves. He even, you know, makes a blast so he can get out. He's like, I got to do something myself. Meaning, in my mind, he's going to go back and take it to the streets and take it back right, to Maxine. Right, he's going after Maxine. In the meantime, you do have Janine, who's in her safe house there. She doesn't like being, I think she is in New Jersey. She's like, I'm getting the hell out of here. She leaves. It looks like Wildwood. Yeah, so there she is. I got beat up there, so she doesn't want to have that happen, right? So she ends up going off. But the idea of even the site, oh my God, Dorsey. I mean, we have Monty Hall crap going on if anybody even remembers what that is but it really is the idea it's a of giant this. Uh, giant red wagon that's what yeah it is. yeah so and yeah that's all you get and you have the girl there dressed as a baby with the bottle nobody knows what we're talking about but you end up where okay door z z what was it z what's that it ends up being the lizard i mean is that because of lizard yeah, like it's a it's a kite i guess he's a, a kaiju sized lizard uh, we, we haven't seen connor's in the story so it's it has no resonance because it comes out of nowhere legitimately at one point you have peter riding on the top of a giant emu where he's got it, it's just nonsense and then even then ben says i'm getting out of here i'm gonna open up this door which really screws them i mean really why is he doing this but then <laughs> You have a page or two of, all right, this is the slowest. This is Deadpool. This is, oh, I thought this was going to be quicker. Oh, my God. I mean, what, the, the tension, the, the suspense, it's killing me. Oh, oh, well, it might kill us at the end. Like these jokes. And I'm like, this is not, I don't need a chuckle fest at this point in this book. This is fine if this was just Kelly Thompson's run, unfortunately, and we were going. And this is just this issue there. But we're in right. the middle of something the, very, the very timing important. Of it. Right. This, this, this tells us don't care about this whole story. It does. It makes it seem like it's all a joke again. When we ended up having that, and Zeb Wells came back. Zeb Wells is going to be doing the book after all this. He's doing amazing, and he ended up making it legit again. And you mucked it up again here where you do have it being the lizard. Oh, my God. What Connors? What have they done to you with that? This is a, you know, super villain deal where we saw, you know, Frosty, Mr. Like they have grabbed 
things and turned them into something evil, which that could have some feels, that could have some moments, but this you don't get it. But there's no you don't connection. Get it. No, there's nothing. No, it, it's just thrown in as a joke, and they get beat up, and that, that's it. Yeah, and and you don't even get the full deal. You see in that next deal with the cover, like, he is really off. But even with that, you're like, what's the deal? What gives? Like, why should I care? And so by the end, I thought the art was pretty good in a cartoony way. But again, it fits yeah. the stupid story, but yeah, I the, hate the, the story. All, the, all the, the mugging faces, which are, again, for the jokes, that's what the faces you put I in. I mean, but. seriously, this is the thing. When you have this story, you knew that the, the cliche nonsense of that dog coming up and, oh, my God. You're such a cute little doggy. You know that it's going to end up having huge teeth and attack, and then it does. We've seen, and you roll we've your seen that I mean, a thousand times. Uh, how many it's times? Not like it, there's, it's not done particularly well. There's no twist put on it. It's just, I got to fill space. They Here's went down here to stop the super villain program, and they're fighting a kid in overalls with a squid head, cockfighter, some land sharks. A throwaway toss-up deals from you end up, and I mean toss-up things from the you know Deadpool run of Kelly Thompson's. Uh, some, that guy with a chainsaw, some daisies. They actually, and they there was a character as well in that Deadpool deal. I sent you a picture where they were recruiting people for this team. I think they were part of it. So all this stuff's nonsense. You got a werewolf. Where, where's the wolf? Man? The wolf man. You got the wolf man. The wolf man. Where, where's the Draculas? I don't know. You know what? I want to know what. I want to know why I read this and have to talk about it. What would you give it? Not well, to this. this. This, I think, is a historic occasion for people who are scholars of this program because this is my very first official FU5. FU5 you're going with. Yeah, yeah. It's not a banger. I'm going... I'm going 3.5 out of 10, and it's more just annoyance of how dare you come into this book that's supposed to be big. And you're, again, this isn't the beginning of it where, yeah, we're yucking it up. We don't have a tone set, whatever. We're getting out of this to go into a, and I, I know, and again, if anybody's going to complain, they're going to say, well, Spider-Man should be fun, whatnot. But this should have been a big, big issue. This should have been the issue where there's there's ways of, of Spider-Man saying funny things in a dramatic situation that lets you know, oh, he's trying to get through it. And this is his coping mechanism. And it's funny, but it's also dramatic where the tone here is nothing matters. Yeah, this should be in a year from now. I say, oh, man, Jason, remember that awesome issue when Peter finally got better and him and Ben teamed up? Oh, yeah, that was awesome. That was Fantastic. Remember that stupid thing where they were fighting, you know, land sharks and chihuahuas? And just please don't do it. Don't. Why? Why allow this? I blame everyone. Everyone had to have seen this. I hope that with the wells taking over and kind of seeming like the head of this as well. I would think that the script may have passed his desk as well. And he should have just said, no, it's not happening. Make this, if anything, make this a Bay issue so people can know that it's, you know, ridiculous. But no. Regular numbered issue nonsense. So we're going to go to the next issue and we're going to go. Onward and upward. It's Avengers Forever number three. It okay, kind is of upward. The Lords of Earthly Avengers here going on. And yeah, I, I want this to feel big. I really, I like this more than the regular Avengers run. But it just seems like we're twiddling our thumbs and yeah, not this, really doing this much. This issue feels like a step back. I, we're liking it. It's not. I mean, we. I mean, it's kind of. We get more. I don't know. This is Jason Aaron. We get a, additional combined versions of old characters squished together. We already have 
one, what we call the black skull here, who's the red skull, but he's got symbiote on him. And now we get at the end, are they just more more yeah, red skulls? It looks like the Council of uh, Red Skulls. It, it, it looks like that same deal. When we're, we we're already doing the have, same trick again. Yeah, it's all the tricks the same. And it's also, in my mind, muddying things up because of what the actual main story is supposed to be. Now we're just going with just nonsense. But it's written by Jason Aaron, pencils by Aaron Cooter, inks by Cam Smith and Scott Hanna, colors by Guerrero Effects. When a Deathlock dispatched by the mysterious Avenger Prime appeared on Earth 616, both he and Robbie Rice, the Ghost Rider of that world, were teleported away by Beam of Energy. Robbie and Deathlock found themselves on the dystopian Earth 818, ruled by the Black Skull. Black Skull and his cohort, the Ghost Goblin, imprisoned and tortured Deathlock and Robbie, determined to break them. They forced Robbie to fight his alternate counterparts to survive. Meanwhile, Tony Stark, the Ant-Man of Earth 818, and his ragtag band of surviving Avengers has been secretly Working to rescue the prisoners. Ragtag. I'm telling you, ragtag. You, you can't mm. throw in an we'll, we'll talk about that. thing and call it a ragtag team, right? I mean, seriously, this ups it more. And a Wonder Man. This isn't ragtag anymore. This is a pretty badass team that should be able to take care of some things here. But you end up having drinking Tony. He's in charge, and they're going to end up. Uh, we're going to go and save the Ghost Rider. He doesn't want to be saved. He wants to take down. The Black Skull, so they're going to have to help him do that. That was the, but, the beginning of the twist. I'm here to rescue you. It doesn't want to be rescued. But I don't know what Ghost Rider wants to accomplish that he can't accomplish not chained up in prison. You'd, you'd think that'd be, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll escape, then we'll team up, and we'll come back, and we'll yeah, you got numbers, ass. right? But, yeah, let's right. do that. I, I'd laugh. I wish that when Tony showed up, because it's Ant-Man, but I always go Star Wars, when he's like, hey, I'm here to save you. And he goes, aren't you a little tall for an Ant-Man? You could, you could reverse the loop, but you don't <laughs> have that. Funny, but yeah. I thought that'd be cool. But the end up being, hey, guys, uh, because this team that we just find out, and you have a nice little page where you get them spelled out. But again, ragtag, I doubt it. This is too big to be a ragtag team. Tony Ant-Man is both rag and tag. I'll go with that. Okay. We've got this this Moon Knight lady who seems, you know, like a good, solid, badass Moon Knight. Very nothing, badass Moon Knight, nothing, yeah. Nothing above like and beyond, her. but she's tough enough. Okay, we've got Vision, who he's kind of half-built, but he can still do all the Vision density-changing things. By the way, reminds me of Anakin making C-3PO. I just want to say Absolutely. that. That's another Star Wars deal for we me. We got a line from him about how he doesn't want to be a person because people suck. Okay. Okay, that was okay. We got Wonder Man. Wonder Man seems, I think, like a regular Wonder Man. I'm not a Wonder Man scholar. But I don't see any yeah, obvious and it change. It has to it. twist the deal where he's a, a movie star in a world where movies are just awful propaganda things. But Fine. he is Wonder Man. He's, he's yep. pretty badass. And then right? we get the Infinity Thing. Infinity who, Thing. He went into space and he came back made of Infinity Stones. And now he talks in this portentous way about opening the doors and he can, he hovers and flies. And he seems, as you might guess, if he's made of Infinity Gems, in completely indestructible, completely overpowered. So this team He's not rag or tag should not be hiding should not no, it should not be hiding in the shadows because we have this venomized red skull and some robots. That should not be right. We should not need a ghost rider to come and rally them and help them fight. And with that, he doesn't want to give up. He doesn't want to be rescued. He's gonna do this like you said. You could just do that and still fight with this team, but they're going to end up where you have then, hey, we now have to make a rescue attempt. But now we have to rescue Tony because he even says, and right on cue, 
oh my god we we got rid of the venom roaches it's gonna be oh no it's trouble and you end up having this deal where you have this ragtag team they're trying to get through the war machines to get into this prison while Tony... I thought this was kind of funny, that uh, Ant-Man had used Stark particles to make his team small so they could sneak in, but they don't have the particles, so they can't control it. They have to wait to wear out. So they're stuck teeny tiny, and they decide to... They can't wait, so they attack the war machines anyway. And I thought that was a cool little scene. It is. Wonder Man, though, is, is way too powerful. Wonder Man shows us he's completely OP, and he beats up all of them, and then... So they're all dead. I mean, in, yeah, in two seconds, gone, so tiny Wonder Man yeah. wins. And then, uh, of course, we had to get... I, I did chuckle, but it was kind of obvious. Infinity's thing says, now is the time of the clobbering. And just reality warps all of them into nothing. He, if he can do that, why? What yeah, are we why is this from? world? What would happen here? And he seems to. He's the playing, I think. I think that they're playing with the idea that he's a little cosmically off here, and that he isn't one that's just going to do things. He does it as he does it. But I don't know. It reminds me of a little bit of the way that the space guy talks in the Black Hammer book. It's Colonel you know Weird. I mean? That's what Colonel it is. Weird. That's yeah. all it is. That's why I think the same idea where. In that, you don't know, is he crazy, whatnot, but he can't really get himself together to really solve things, but he kind of pops in and out. It's very much, it's the same. You end up where the biggest trash talk, and this is the thing where, after I read this, the stupidest line that ended up sticking with me is the idea that you end up having Black Skull, Big Bad. He's threatening Ghost Rider and says, hey, you thought you were going to come in and take my world? Well, I took your foot. I'm like, what? Like, that's that's the trash talk in this world. I'm like, the 818, not great in the trash talk. Um, But you end up having all this where Tony goes really, really small. And so that he can avoid everything just then to get large to punch Black Skull. Like in the movie, he's going into the quantum realm. Yeah. But we don't see the quantum realm. We just see, it's almost like you're backing a truck up. So that you can go forward and hit somebody really hard. He makes himself super tiny. So when he gets super big, he kind of like punches as he grows. And he ends up trying to take out Black Skull, but he can't. Black Skull attacks and then you have this real quick deal. And a lot of these things are so forced. And so it's like, oh my God, Black Skull's attacking Ghost Rider. But he's hooked up to Deathlock, who's taking all of the pain or whatever, leaving just the spirit of vengeance. Again, not set up, comes out of nowhere. It only lasts for half a page. And so that, we're told, allows Ghost Rider to now decide, concentrate, but he decides that, hey, that symbiote, that counts as a vehicle. And because I'm a Ghost Rider, I can drive your vehicle so I can now control Every symbol. This is so forced. This is what I said that happens in the Black Cat book. This is not going to last, right? This will never be referenced again. This only works in this one book. And it's just going to work here and once they get up. But it's the same thing as you have Ghost Rider. I ride things. Let's try to fudge it. I said when we talked about Black Cat a lot, you can't get Felicia to do anything unless you call it a heist. You want her to go to Target for you and pick up a gallon of milk. You have to tell her it's a heist. <laughs> and then she goes and does it. Don't give me this idea where you have to convolute and say, well, you know, you have the symbiote on you and you travel. So I think it's a vehicle and I can do vehicles. Now I'm going to do this. It's ridiculous. It doesn't make any sense overall. It's just a forced way to end this. And why do you have to force your way out of this? This is your story. And it has been good. This almost feels like, oh, no, we're at issue three. We got to get out of here. We got to do more than this. Because this does seem to get smaller and smaller in my mind, just like Tony. It doesn't really even move forward because 
at the end. So we see that uh, the other team is Thing and Moon Knight, and they see this room full of portals, and it seems like our heroes are going to win, but then at the last minute, out of each of these portals, we get another version of a Black Skull. So one of them is like Carnage Black Skull, we get a Captain America Black Skull, we get a Doctor Strange Black Skull, we get some others I don't recognize. One looks just like Red Skull. I, I mean, yeah, you, you end up where all these things going on, and again, is this just the idea of we're just going to go through this Avengers forever? And hey, everybody, look at these. This is starting to feel like a little not as focused in a singular deal, but this is just Batman who laughs and all this nonsense we dealt with at DC where it's just out of nowhere. Too much hey, multiversal get this. stuff. Yeah, get this. There's this. We're putting this. multiverses inside our multiverses, and it just starts collapsing just in ridiculousness. What you want, what you end up having, Black Skull, he wants to know who's Avenger Prime. That's the big thing. But the, the whole story is getting lost. The whole story of, you know, this whole multiversal team coming and you're not allowed to attack there and we'll do this and we'll do that. It's kind of getting lost now. And you're just in this moment of, okay, I guess that's cool. Moon Knight. No, yeah, there's Vision, but he's not fully made. I'm Wonder Man. And I'm not getting, it's, it's getting smaller to me and I'm losing track of you know even caring it's it's like you when you're like spitballing trying to come up with ideas you have a notebook full of ideas and instead of picking one or two of them and making them really awesome and developing them you just throw them all in yeah and jason aaron he has you know a lot of rep and whatnot and is one of the this needs at this point to me it needs an editor to step in and say, whoa, 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 let's calm down. Okay. Yeah, let's let's pick a couple of these. There's some cool ideas here, but pick a few of them, not all of them. It's like you're making soup. You don't put everything in the soup. I do, and it turns out crappy. I almost said a crap. This is how angry I am. I'm almost cursing. Yeah, that's the thing. I'm not a good cook, right? So I'll do crap. It tastes like crap, and I'm the only one who will eat it. But here we are. We're doing this, and it just feels like you're like, the wow moment of this 818, and it, it, it's kind of gone. And I just, I want out, but then you just keep throwing stuff at us. Then, if you really want to trigger me and have the deal, next we have the, the great granddaughters. We have the deal, the goddesses of the, I don't care about them. I know that they're big for Jason Aaron fans of Thor stuff. I, I, you're starting to make me not care about this one. I was, I was enjoying it. I really was, but. I like the art. I think the art and the colors are really good. I like the, the art colors. and the color. It's a beautiful looking book. Every page. I mean, we've 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 talked a lot about the Aaron Cooter fire work. He loves. He's great at making fire and smoke. And the, even the. Uh, I guess that's a, a symbiote Hell Rider made of venom stuff with teeth. That looks awesome. But with all of that, what do you give this? Fantastic art. A story that's spinning and spinning and just having too much stuff thrown in. I'm gonna. Go ahead and give this. It's a very pretty 6 out of 10. Okay. I'm going to give it a 6 out of 10 as well. Uh, the art's really good. And I, I still want to be involved in this. I still want to be excited about it. But it, it's it's starting to lose me a little. But we'll see. But we're going to have to start pruning off some of these characters. Pruning off some of these ideas. Or some of these books, if you know what I'm saying. Uh -oh. Yeah. <laughs> uh -oh. But we're going to go up right now to the lightning round. And uh -oh, it is lightning. a book. Yes, it is a book that we had been... You know, dealing with, but it's like around material. In my mind, here we go. What's the matter? Scared of a little lightning? I'm not overly fond of what follows. Round one, fight! And this uh, versus lightning round one is Captain America Iron Man number four. 
penultimate, I guess it would be. That's what they say down at the record store, <laughs> right? There we go. Written by Derek Landy, art by Angel Anzueta, colors by Rachel Rosenberg, letters by VC's Joe Caramagna. Jason, you are first. I'm going to hit this here, and you give me your synopsis now. In this penultimate issue, we learn that little in our story is quite what it seemed. We thought that the Paladins were just well-meaning, bumbling D-listers. Turns out they were in league with Eden and Mermidden and were trying to stage their way into public prominence. We thought that Alien 51 was working with Veronica Eden, but it turns out he was being mind-controlled by Think Tank to serve as the Paladins' patsy. We thought that Veronica Eden was obnoxious, power-hungry doofus and, okay, that one we had pretty much dead to rights. The parallel intertwining scenes of Tony with the Senator and Cap with Eden do a fine job of delivering heavy exposition in a way that feels fun and compelling. I hope our alien friend wakes up soon because the paladins are up to no good and it looks like 51 is about to be 86. 8.3 out of 10. Boom. That was right on time. Yeah, I think I'm you're going to win. I'm getting the feel for this timing here. I, I think uh, you're going to win because mine is very right to the point of nothing. Here, <laughs> here I go. Go for it. While this book feels like it should have ended by now, it chugs along by showing us Veronica Eden's real plan and who was actually the bad guys involved. There are some twists and turns, even though Veronica Eden is kind of just a jerk that we all know and maybe love. It seems that 51 was actually trying to be good all along, but by breaking free of the paladins and shutting down the overseer, but unfortunately, he failed. Now it looks like his former teammates may kill him, and it's up to Tony Steve and Veronica to save him and stop the overseer. Little jilted lover there. I am bored just talking about this. And so it's no surprise that I give this one a 5.5 out of 10. See, I, I kind of got there too as well. Yeah, I, I, this this series is nothing. It's just going to fade away. And I, I really like that the, the scenes where we have Tony over here, Cap over there, and we're getting, oh, here's what's really going on. I thought that was cleverly put together. It was okay. And I, I like, I mean, the the twist that the Paladins had this other side, I was not expecting, but it makes sense in retrospect, which is the kind of twist I like. No, it makes sense. I wish that they went more into that, the idea that they are younger kids and they're kind of pissed off that they were laid aside and now they're going to take it to the streets and whatnot. But I thought that the idea of Tony just talking to the center got boring. And you, you get a Prince reference, Paisley Park, which I'm, I'm sure that <laughs> a lot of people, when that happened, they might have just thought it was yeah. like an amusement park or something they're, like they're, that. They're flying over Minneapolis. Nice, and they kind of see It's like Prince's the GPS. Mansion. Now on the left, Paisley Park, I'm like, all right, that got me a little. I don't know how many <laughs> people now, but yeah, and, and Cap in the, you know, bad armor and things like it, it didn't play out as much as I hoped it would, but. That is the lightning round. So we're done with that, but we're going to go take a little bit of break ourselves and come back with a couple more books. All right. And we're back, Jason. Welcome back. We have a couple of books here. Took a little moment to kind of calm down. Yes. I'm kind of meditate. Breathing in. Breathing out. Uh, yes, we'll see. We will see because we're going to start with something out I like. Out with the jive, in with the love. Yes, here we go. Daredevil, Woman Without Fear, number three is what we'll start this section with. Written by Chip Starsky, art by Raphael De La Torre, colors by Frederico Blee, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. The oath was quickly put to the test. That's the whatever oath of being Daredevil. However, as Wilson Fisk, formerly the kingpin of crime, now the duly elected mayor of New York has begun leveraging the power of his office against the city's superhumans, first by outlawing superhuman activity within the city limits, then by installing a crew of deputized supervillains as a superhuman task force codenamed the Thunderbolts, 
among its recruits was the new Craven the Hunter sent by the hand and Electra's former ally Akka. Was he? I, I, we saw that he was part of the Thunderbolts. I'm cool with that. But the idea that he was sent by the hand and by Akka, I think this is brand new information sneak, snuck into our It is camp. snuck in because at the end, you do have there, you have Electra say, I know that you sent Craven, whatever. It's nonsense, though, because it kind oh, of reveals I, I, I that did, before, I did though. Akka because that just being able to not Google her bothered me, but Akka apparently means red in Japanese. Okay, well, there we go. There we go. Akka. Now, we've, hey. we're learning something, you know. And we start out, yeah, with a little bit of a flashback. and educating. Uh, exactly, edutainment. We end up here with, you know, again, every issue starts with this with Electra, and she's hanging with Matt, and they're making sweet love, and they end up being together, and there's not going to be any surprise. That's going to end up taking them <laughs> apart, know, which we I never played. noticed before, but Matt's apartment has a great view for an apartment of a blind guy. Yeah, look at that. He's, he doesn't know it, but it's there. So, yeah, you have this going on, and we go then to the Craven Electra fight, which just ends up fighty-fighty, stabby-stabby, where but, you but do have Goldie. A, there was a big thing, apparently, back in that scene where we're supposed to be surprised that Electra has now just recently told Matt that I guess way back when she had tried to recruit him for the hand. And I guess this is supposed to be a big moment, but I I guess I was just wrong because I thought he knew that I, He did. That's the problem is the, the big secret isn't the hand, and, and it's played out in a way that's barely even mentioned. Akka says you are starting up the ancient fist, and so that seems to be the big secret. The hand's there to stop her because she's going to start this other organization one that's ancient and kind of mythological even the idea and so i think the fist the only information i could find was it in the 2099 timeline so i guess this is a startup that's going to end up down there and she ended up where the beginning of all this why she ended up becoming the whole daredevil when matt went to jail was to then kind of trick him into you know recruiting him for the fist where i think it was stick who said to her you know what the prophecy is. You're going to do this. The way you have to do this is both of you have to do it, but one of you has to die, and which is weird, the setup here. And I don't even know if we're playing with that still because it seems to just been pushed aside. But we finally see here it is the fist. But in that, this is just fighty-fighty. Goldie, you know, the DA, he ends up throwing a snowball that distracts Craven, which allows the fight to continue because it looked like at that point Craven might have sliced and diced Electra. They're out in the open fighting, and that's where Craven has the advantage because he is bigger and stronger. And then this distraction lets Electra run off into a dark building. And this is where she has the advantage because she can trick Craven to thinking that he's tracking her when really she's leading him exactly where he she wants him to be into this dark room where she can use her ninja skills to, you know. Which is a weird play because this is a school. And after the fight's done, all of a sudden the kids are there, which they're not there at the beginning. There's nothing there. It looks abandoned. And she ends up running into there without anything really being spelled out, but ends up in an auditorium where as she's fighting and kicking the crap out of Craven, she ends up in an auditorium where Akka is there. And that's kind of when she's like, how dare you send craven after me and you're doing this why are you doing that and this is again the big thing is this distant you end up having Aka say i have my reasons why i did all this one is delight after all this time you're still recruiting matthew murdoch now for the fist some eons dead colt how marvelous 
that that's all you get from it and that's the that's the big thing this is what this has been all about and she just kind of half says it in the deal and then oh i'm gonna get you and then you see that Akka's like no nope, you're not gonna do that and the hand secures us all unlike the fist ends up smashing a bunch of glass that i didn't quite understand but yeah i had to go back and if you see at the back of the auditorium you can tell that she's in kind of a glass enclosed room so this whole conversation has been happening through a pane of glass, which if you look back, it is there, but it confused me at first, too. Like, where did this glass come from? Yep. So then you have the idea, okay, and the the big thing with Electra, and this is going to be really quick because it is a quick issue, the idea of Electra now has to get out of the building. She's worried about Goldie, who ended up stepping up and throwing a snowball at Kramer because the Thunderbolts were keeping everybody back. But that, And she's like, oh, my God, I got to help him. In the meantime, all of a sudden, kids are being evacuated from the school. So she runs out and then goes up to a girl and says, yeah. hey, I like your jacket. Yeah, so, I mean, we're supposed to fill in the blame. So does she buy the jacket? Does she does she kill the girl and stuff her in a locker? It's like, look at <laughs> these knives know. I have. Uh, <laughs> I want that jacket. But she ends up sneaking out in this jacket where you end up where they go out. She goes up to Goldie. He's crying because he just got word that Matt has been murdered. Oh, my God. Matt's dead. He was murdered in his apartment. It does end up see, saying, see Devil's Reign 5, which is next week. Which confused week. me because that footnote looks like it's referring to the past, right? So I, if I were the editor, I would have said something like, oh, coming up next week in Devil's Reign 5 or look forward to this. Yeah, but because I don't think it, it ruins anything because the idea that you're going to end up, it might not be true. It, it actually leaves you to believe, okay, that can't be true, but I got to check it out. Maybe that's the deal. Maybe they're worried I, I think that it's some on purpose. people. I was confused yeah. at first. I think it's on purpose. I think I would have just worded the, the footnote. Yeah, and, and the big thing big is Matt's dead. He was murdered in his apartment. It seems that Kingpin was the one who did it. And then Electra's like, well, I'm really the idea. If Matt's dead, I don't have to pretend anymore. I'm Electra Which, as I mean, well. That, that is kind of cool because when we last we saw Fisk, he had just used the Purple Man's mojo to help him remember who Matt Murdock really is. So it kind of it kind of makes sense that he might be so mad he's just gonna go right there and kill him. Now she starts sharpening up her her weapons on the wall. Amazingly effective, this concrete wall and <laughs> making this deadly looking point on her side and she says i now have my blood i don't have matt to stop me now and i'm gonna avenge him and you have you know what goldie's like what are you gonna do Uh, i'm gonna go kill kingpin and then as she walks away he says i know electra that's always been the plan so he's in on it and he set this up so again by the end of that because we don't know is he in league with fisk does he have his own thing going on is this maybe chameleon who's kind of healed up from getting his ass kicked as uh, Tony, and now he's pretending to be Goldie. Or it so could I be in that, with Akka, even. I mean, there's a lot of things that could there's be. A lot yeah. Of, yeah. But they they just want her. And again, is Matt really dead now? Because the idea that he's the one who told her, maybe hoping that she gets pissed off, runs and just kills this. I mean, I've got, I've got to think that he can't really be dead because we have all these other plot threads he's got to be part of. So. Yeah, and, and with that, I mean... Would Fisk want Electra to come and try to kill him now? Is that to get it? Because then that could be Chameleon doing this. Or is this the idea where, you know, if it was Akka, she knows that Matt isn't dead. But if you end up killing somebody, if Electra kills Kingpin, this would definitely keep Matt away. He would be pissed. You're not supposed to kill people, even though he's really pissed as well. So I don't know what that is. But you do get 
a crazy ending with a little sneak peek of the Punisher deal where I I don't know. We're going to see how that is next week and whatnot. That didn't really get me excited for the Punisher book. What it is, we we see Akka and this arch priestess, apparently, I'm sure they're just way up high in the the hand hierarchy, but they talk about, oh, sorry, my lord, sorry to keep you waiting, and we turn the page, and we see Punisher in his, everyone's already seen his new outfit, which is the kind of dumb-looking t-shirt with the horns on it, and all it says is what Frank Castle wants, Frank Castle gets, and we live to serve, so we have no idea how he ended up here, but I guess Punisher number one, I guess, is going to start with him already in this position, or maybe we get a flashback. Yeah. Well, they've already, here. it's been announced. He's leading the hand now. He's the head of the hand. That That's the only thing going in with this, and he's going to use right, swords I, I'm, instead I'm of guns. If we're just going to jump in with him, he is the head of the hand, or do we get a story of how in the world he gets Yeah, we'll hand? see. But yeah, that's just to show you, hey, it's kind of all connected. You got the hand, and he's going to be there. And yeah, I've seen a bunch of the art because they don't want him to shoot guns, so he's just going to kill people with swords. You know, that's better, but yeah, by the end of this, it's very quick, and it ends up, in my mind, feeling like, eh, I don't know that this was that necessary to have three issues. I liked I it enough, it, but... it works as a like a character study of Electra. I think that's what it was supposed to do, was kind of help people like me, who haven't been reading Electra most of my life, uh, know who this character is, where she's coming from, what motivates her, and I think this could have been a really good, kind of like, extended-length one-shot, right? The middle issue was completely unnecessary. Yeah, and some of the stuff that we're getting here, I, I got myself in the Daredevil run anyway, as she's been, you know, the one without fear for quite some time now. Mm-hmm. And the idea of her being involved with the hand in the past, not wanting to kill and all that, this kind of just, to me, it I just mean, gave you another this, book. This also could have just been woven into the main Devil's Reign storyline, because it's not like it's so much off of the side. This could have been just one more thread in there. But I guess, again, we, we know that. People have decided that if you put Electra Daredevil on a cover, they're going to buy it. That's so what I, that's that's why all I think it is. They canceled the Daredevil book, and this was the continuation to get people to keep buying it and maybe tie him into the Devil's Reign uh, if they weren't interested in that, especially with that cliffhanger. That's why I think you end up having, oh, my God, Matt's dead. Oh, I haven't been reading Devil's Reign. I just like Electra whatnot. I better go and read the issues and get next week's number five. So it works that way. Uh, but what would you give it? Yeah, again, like I think as a character, it works well. I think the art is is quite nice. I think it really could have been tightened up. The whole, I mean, I, the whole three part series could have been tightened up. But as a single issue, I give this a seven point five out of ten. I'm giving it a seven, but I, I liked it enough. Like I said, I wasn't angry reading it or anything like that. But I just, eh, you know, at the end, I'm okay. You get mm-hmm. Goldie involved, and he might be whoever he's working with, bad dude and whatnot. So we go, and I'm I'm looking forward though to see what happens in Devil's Reign. Even if I don't think Matt's really going to die, I do want to see how that plays out and what goes on. But right. I mean, are they going to are they going to kill off his brother? We just learned about. Maybe they will. Yeah, and yeah, with Mike and all that might be the deal. And she even says it might be Mike. But in that Daredevil or, or Electra says, I just feel it in my bones. That is true. Well, we'll see because you seem to be duped. But we're going to move to the next deal. A little reckoning war. It is fantastic for number forty one. Written by Dan Slott, Rachel Stott as artist. You have colors by Eric Garcianega and VC's Joe Carmagna on letters. I'm not even going to try to read this recap. It's it's too long and convoluted. We're going to get into it where you have this reckoning war. And we even have a page at the beginning, full spread, that 
It's almost like a repeat of every one we've had so far. Yeah, so, yeah, we get, it looks almost like the Star Wars Galactic Council, is what it reminds me of, but it's all the Watchers, and we have a Watu giving his testimony saying, hey, I called you all here because the Reckoning's back, our original sin, we did this bad stuff back at the beginning of the universe, and those guys we thought were dead and were sealed off, and then 90% of the universe we gave them, they're, they're, they're here somehow. And I thought this was an interesting connection. Is this new that the Kotati had gotten their weapons? No, they from the said Reckoning? they said okay. that before. Yeah, they they I said that, that most that was an interesting connection. They said that most of the trouble that's happened recently was because of okay, the right, Prosilicans right. coming back and the Reckoning and the whole Watcher type deal. That's why they tried to explain why they're even on the moon. Then they get the Watu and they imprison them. You're not going to be yeah, allowed so to do it, anything. It's his own his own dad, Icon, who is apparently the the, the head Watcher. And he says, and so Watu says, we got to stop watching. We got to start doing. And Icon says, we don't do that. We're called the Watchers. And so we're going to put you in jail. Yeah. And, and Watu says, then they're unstoppable. If we don't stop them, the reckoning is going to just destroy everything. And we do then go to Shire Space, where everybody is trying to get to the Amacron's crystal, the nexus of reality. They're trying to do that. But you end up just having a fight at this one point. And thank God. By the end, you end up having people realize what they're really there for. But you get that deal with the thing that he is really pissed off. And he ends up saying that Rapture, the one girl, she's there with her brother. Rapture's Mm -hmm. mine. I'm going to take her down. She's the one that I saw in the future that ended up killing me. And you end up having this fight. And the fight got a little wonky at one point. And you do have some cool trash talk. You get Jack of Hearts then with She-Hulk. Jack of Hearts is trying to blast the brother. He's just kind of like matrixing, like do, moving do we ever to a get side. A name no, I don't for think him? we do. Okay, I kept flipping through looking for it. It's her, funny but because she's rapture, and at one point he says, "Child, I lived in the Baron." Something is he like Baron? Would that be the deal? That kind of works with rapture, but never. I don't think we get anything. But you just see that they really are pretty powerful, and you end up with the thing Ben is fighting rapture. And she's talking trash, and he starts, and she's surprised. I can't believe anybody even knows my name. And he's like, yeah, I kind of saw a future where we fight. She ends up hitting him with her lightsaber there, and it ends up hitting his hand. And it ends up not killing him, not doing anything, it seems at first, because it hits his wedding ring that Alicia gave. And this is a big thing of what is that made of. It even seems as if, you know, Rapture's even like, "What, what the hell was that? You know, what is this ring? The problem I have with this, that's cool, and we're going to have to figure out that and find out later, but where does Ben get cut in half at this? I know she swipes again, but you yes, barely ag- see agreed. it. So, yeah, so the the ring is vibranium. That was set up way back when they got married. Uh, and so there is a sweep, and I don't know if uh, Dan Slott or Stott doesn't want to show gore in this kind of book, but it is as Reed pulls Ben away. You see it. There's a kind of. kind of towards his abdomen, and we see a scutch sound effect, and Ben calls out, Grah, but that could just be because he was being y- yanked away. But we don't ever see a wound. I thought that what happened was he got pulled away just in time. As she was That's going to hit like. and says, this is where you die. But it's clearly a major plot point that he gets horribly injured here to the point where Reed has to stay wrapping, wrapped around to hold him together. Otherwise, he's just going to... And it, it takes both the thing and Reed out of the fight because he has to twist and turn around him to keep him together. And it's more of that idea of, why didn't you... I'm, it's, it's a rock guy. You can show him getting kind of cut and have some more of that. It's just barely shown. 
And then you have this where, you know, Lord Wrath calls down and says, hey, Rapture, what are you doing? You're Stop wasting around, time. Go yeah. get the crystal. And that's the, the weird part about this. You have this whole deal and we're almost halfway through. And she's like, oh, oh, yeah. Hey, brother, let's go get the crystal. They just boom and they're out. I mean, they ended up just grabbing it. Sayonara suckers. They are out. So they have it. And then it's like, oh, my God, what's going to happen? But She-Hulk, who is connected into all this, she says, I know where they went. I, it's kind of my fault, whatever. And then we just, boom, we're, we're done that scene. And we go off the spire. And this is Sky's home planet. We know that Johnny went off to save it because mm-hmm. Reed was doing his thing. And you do get a real quick thing at the beginning here as well of the, I can't believe you didn't tell me this is my thing voice, by the way. It's like Jimmy Durante. <laughs> okay. Cha-cha-cha. I thought it was Sherman hey, Helms. Yeah, here, here we go. Here's my thing. Hey, Stretch, you didn't tell me that you had, we're going to die in three days, and now I'm upset. And so he's like, yeah, that's just a reminder. But then when we go to here, we have to be reminded of a lot of things, too, of the idea of, you know, Sky and the whole Spire deal. I wasn't a big fan. I don't really like the unparalleled. I never did. So when we go and take an extended point of this, it really didn't do much for me. Now, I have a different point of view because I had skipped out of Fantastic Four before Spire came up. So these characters are all new to me, and I thought they were kind of fun as just new-to-me characters. We have this this size-changing guy who's Citadel. They're fighting. I mean, they clearly have this local villain, but now they're teamed up with a local villain to fight this annihilation wave. I thought that was fun. Again, I have no idea who this is, but then we get this giant, glowing, bright-as-the-sun Johnny Storm shows up. and wipes out all the Annihilation buggies and then takes on Annihilus himself and he, he rips Annihilus's rod Yeah, right he gets off, the which, cosmic control rod. Weird. A little sexy. I think the way you said <laughs> it there, if you'd say it in a breathy voice, I might be in trouble. But you end up, yeah, Annihilus, and this is to show, oh my God, overpowered Johnny. And there he is. And remember, Reed wouldn't heal him. He said, I need you. And that's the whole thing. Reed ended up like the, don't go to Sp- Get back, Johnny. It's like one of those. No. Whatever you do, don't do that. No, stop. Yeah. And then, yeah, Johnny, why aren't you going to chase me back? Eh, I kind of need you powered. Well, here we go. We see, you know, and read in the deal where it doesn't play out as much here because he was all wonky, but he has seen all the plants, has seen all the stuff as he got the Watcher tech and consumed it all. So you end up where Johnny's here. And yeah, you have some moments. Oh, we better change our name because. He's unparalleled. I'm like, yeah, it doesn't work that way, but that's fine. But he comes down and you get this real quick deal again because you're like, ooh, what's going to happen with, with Sky now? And just out of nowhere, she goes, oh, by the way, I'm marrying Sid because we were going to be four. I met you and he's pretty forgiving and we're going to go off. All right, whatever. And he's like, yeah, whatever. And what I'm here for, though, is I cleared everybody out because we need you in the fight. Against this reckoning war So come on So he, he tells Annihilus I'm not going to kill you But you got to go back to your negative zone Oh but by the way leave all your ships here So that's what these folks are going to use To fly off into the fight Yep so they and all say Alright we're there adventure We're in Sky's like lead the way And you know you end up Johnny really pushing Sky Like he's the PR agent He's buttering her up. It reminds me of that. It was a DC version of the Fantastic Four, the Terrific. Yeah, the Terrific. Kind of reminds yeah, me of Terrific. Yeah, I didn't like that either. So there you go. But yeah, they <laughs> have this. And I, I thought I was done with the Unparalleled. Didn't really like it. And again, if you're a fan of this book and have read it all, you probably like this. But that was when I dropped it. Or, 
or if they're new to you and you're not already annoyed at the parallels, you know, maybe you maybe. like Maybe. I just think that it ends up being, especially the way things are laid out recently and stuff like that, you're probably just like, this is just like another one of these multiversal type of different teams. And I just, I didn't really find them that interesting. But we then go to the end where we go to Asgard. And I swear to God in this, because I have this new program where I'm making you know, fancy things for the podcast deal. And I, God, swear, I all swear to God that that Thor is just a sticker that they added at the last second as he's flying in. It seems so weird. It seems almost out of place as he comes in here. But you do have all the heralds of Galactus. And the funny thing is, is the idea that Thor coming in, where we even had, remember when when Silver Surfer mm-hmm. went off, and like, hey, wait a minute. So are you for us or on. them? And so that's the same with Thor. Because I actually didn't even connect it. The idea they are on Asgard, they're trying to resurrect. Sure, it, it, you would think that Thor is going to fly in and you know put a stop to all this silliness, but he can't help himself. It's we, what the universe we're told is compelling yeah, all and that's the heralds the thing. Yeah. to come and use their power cosmic to resurrect Galactus. Yep, they don't really know. They can't stop it. Now with that, where's Aunt May? She was a herald at one point. They had a, a little team up there. I need Aunt May to come. That'd be hilarious <laughs> if you saw her in the background. Just a little, little tiny corner. Little tiny Aunt May. Aunt May. Be oh awesome. my goodness! Take that. <laughs> She's going with it. It'd be so great. Uh, and yeah, and that was connected in, even with Franklin and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, you have this all going down, and you do have Thor saying, "I can't stop myself. I don't want to do this. I don't want to like this." But the universe again. This is in in a way and. We're ending up on the Patreon. We're going through Secret Wars. And at a point in Secret Wars, even Reed at the, you know, midway says, you know, we might have to let Galactus win because he can save the universe by his ability. This is kind of the deal. The universe needs the, you know, Galactus to go and, and end this reckoning. In the meantime, you get the destroyer armor just steps out from the armory, starts walking towards. And I thought that this got a little wonky. I think that this should have been a little more. Of a wow moment where you end up having the destroyer meld in with Galactus to make him rise as the destruction. Yeah, the, it could have used another half a page, a couple panels to make it a page make sense. where you'd be like, "Oh my God, look at this!" You never really get that much of a great look at the actual character full out. You end up just seeing this weird melding, and then you see the legs, and then you end up seeing, you know, the top half shoulders mm-hmm. and stuff as. You end up, I love this too. It's the carrot on the stick where they have to do something about this. And so Silver Surfer is the one who says, I have to do this. I'm faster than anyone I can do. Pulls out the ultimate nullifier and goes, Look at this! Galactus over here, destroyer. Yeah, you like, carrot on a stick. I, it reminded me of like a, a, a golden retriever. You showed does, a, yeah. a tennis ball. And then throw it. Oh, 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 oh. Get the ball. Fetch Get the ball. boy. Because the destruction's like, huh? And he's like, Follow me. And just takes off leading this new destruction off to the reckoning. I mean, to do this. So the, the ending is pretty cool. And I, I just, I kind of like the idea because here's Dan Slott. He's doing the Fantastic Four. Donnie Cates ends up making it so that you can't use Galactus. And he brings, and I thought it was going to be so much like Galactus is back. Oh, Galactus, here we go. It, he did twist he and it turn sense. it and even went with the idea of like, it really felt like this would have been something that Donnie Cates would have even done. With this melding destructive, you know, I thought that that was kind of a cool. It, it works well. Again, like we said, Kelly Thompson went into her 
Amazing Spider-Man and didn't seem to read the room and the, the tone of the things. This actually does continue, in my mind, the tone of even the Thor book. So I think that Dan Slott yeah, did a really I, good I job. I think that's a, a good comparison because this event, and it, to me it does feel pretty big. It feels like an event, even though it's only in the one book. That's pretty cool. But the tone of it feels consistent. It is it is serious and big, but also kind of lighthearted and fun at the same time, which I think that's what I want. At Fantastic Four, that's what I want. I don't need... I don't want a super brooding, dark, fantastic four. I want big things, scary things happening, but in bright, bold Marvel colors with people having crazy fun doing it. And I think, I think the balance of that tone is so much better here. And I really like and it. And you know what? I mean, even if you don't like Dan Slott, whatnot. I, I think that's because you, you get one writer writing a story and they have a consistent tone. When you get, it certainly doesn't hurt. No, when you get the beyond board. Seriously, it's board. It's yeah, board. really, it really does. I mean, why set that joke up when you came up with that? Somebody had to have let that. Well, I hope we're not beyond board by the end. <laughs> oh no! Why did we say that? Uh, but what do you give this by the end? Oh, I, I can. I had a lot of fun with this. I think the art is great. I there was a couple places the faces were a little weird. I think the last, the last uh, Silver Surfer face where he says Ultimate Nullifier, yeah, looks weird. But other, other than that, I think it looks great. I think the story is fun. I like how there are connections made to these past stories. And I'm giving this a very positive eight and a half out of oh ten. Oh, my goodness. I'm a 7.5. I'm a 7.5. It, it just, okay, okay. again, I love that first issue where you had that, you know, intro deal that, you know, War of the Reckoning, whatever. And it felt real big. Uh, obviously, now it's not as big just because it's the Fantastic Four book alone or whatnot, even though we're going to get a watcher. You know, story next, and we're going to have some one shots thrown in or whatever. But I thought that this was a step up from the last issue. So, with that, and it was more of the ending and the stuff in Asgard that I, I said, I don't really care that much about Spire. That's just Johnny to get the team. We'll see how that plays out as everybody kind of forms up and does some things. But I do think that that was pretty cool by the end. But again, we're here recording. This is certainly the, the most fun I've had reading a Marvel cosmic book. Since I've been reading new books, right? I mean, much better than Empire, much better than any other cosmic stuff. Maybe I that's think, true. I think it's, it gets a tone Again, back. I'm sitting here and, you know, I, I don't, it's not like I'm down at the, you know, five and dime talking at, at the yeah. sandwich counter a lot to the, well, maybe I am, but the idea of me looking around <laughs> and going through Twitter and things like that, not seeing a lot of hype for this and Galactus back with the Destroyer deal, there's a wow moment, and I don't see it as being that, but maybe it's just because I'm not talking to the right people. I don't know. I think I think part of it is that Marvel has so many events going on at the same time. No one, You can't be excited about anything in particular because there's so much we're supposed to be excited that about. Might, it just makes it especially all feel kind this of week, it all hits. Holy moly. But we're going to go to our second Lightning round here. Lightning. It's uh, round two. When you hear the sound of thunder, don't you get too scared. Just grab your thunder buddy and say these magic words. <laughs> what is that from? There we go. That was from Ted. Uh, so we have oh, more okay. thunder, but it's the lightning <laughs> as well. But this around two is She-Hulk number two. And again, it's a shame to have to put this in a lightning round this week, but there were so many bigger books in my mind. And we'll see. We'll see what we think of this. But it is She-Hulk number two, written by Rainbow Rowell, art by Roger Antonio, colors by Rico Renzi, and VCs Joe Carmagnon. Letters, you are up first as usual. And go. 
Mousy's sad sack Jen is gone, confident, goal-oriented She-Hulk is back, and all it took to motivate her was a guy she thought was long dead keeling over on her doorstep. Most of this issue is a conversation with Jack of Heart in which he recaps his past and shares what little he knows of his resurrection. He's different now. He doesn't seem to be stealing Jen's gamma, or to be about to detonate and kill everyone in Manhattan, but he does get thirsty and hungry and tired, which are experiences he hasn't had for a couple decades. We end with a glimpse of the lab where, presumably, Jack was revived. We don't know who owns this lab, but whoever it is seems pretty upset with our girl Jen. The art is not to my taste, but it doesn't get in the way. I'm on board, and hey, I guess I'm a She-Hulk fan now. Eight out of ten. Boom! Again, I think you won. And I, I actually, I'll have to tell you, I, I end up having you go first all the time. Not just because yeah, I'm saying it's because I know that you'll describe more of the issue and then I just come in with my thoughts after. So here we go. And this is my thoughts on She-Hulk. Number two, Jack of Hearts number two. I mean, She-Hulk number two continues with a Jack of Hearts issue setting up uh, would be, could be an old friend coming back into Jennifer's life or maybe even a new enemy. He certainly likes to eat and drink a lot more than he has. Uh, Jack catches Jennifer up on what he's been doing since he last saw her, and things are a bit sketchy. We don't know if Jack is lying or just an unreliable narrator, but something is going on, and the cliffhanger doesn't make it look all that good. This was an okay issue. I didn't really like the art as well. I'm with you. It's not my style. I just wish we were getting more Jennifer at the beginning of this run, and then maybe get to Jack Arts, but I still liked it enough. 7 out of 10. So I'm a little lower than you. Little lower, but I just, I kind of. I think both of us really did not like the character of Jen last issue. No. She just seemed boring yeah. and just not someone you want to spend time with. And this, this version of her is so much more fun. Yeah, it is. And the weird thing about this is, though, is that I want a, like, a run to go on. I want to see, and this really feels like the start of something very limited, especially with the first issue really being. Oh my God, Jack of Hearts now, a big Jack of Hearts deal. We'll yeah, I mean, what goes it, on. I, at least wherever I copied it down from, it's called number two of five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have that. I just want it more of a series is what I want it now that I, you know, it does feel like you said, it's a mini and I, I don't really care for the idea of we're having a mini. Let's get a mini about Jennifer because the Jennifer in the Avengers with Jason Aaron was terrible. I want it more. And now it's not even really a She-Hulk book. It seems more of a Jack of Hearts book, which is kind of silly because we just even mentioned the idea. Jack of Hearts is popping up all over the damn place. So the idea, oh, my God, why is he back or whatever? I mean, we're seeing them in the Reckoning War just blasting away with him. And Jen, they're not connected, it seems. But still, that's almost enough Jack of Hearts well, for me. I mean, I guess it's... It's connected because, I mean, she he is hanging out with She-Hulk, so clearly whatever's going on in She-Hulk took place before the yeah, record Yeah, it's war. weird you because know, she al- okay he always that. hangs out with her. So I just think that, I don't know, Dan Slott does not seem to play along with everybody else. I think that he just ended up having her there because of that connection with that reckoning and the past deal that they were talking about. But, yeah, we'll have to see or whatnot what happens, so. Yeah, with this, it, it feels like a backdoor way to just get more Jack of Hearts, which I don't really care for. But we're going to take another little break, and then we're going to be back with three more books to end the podcast. And we are back, and we're going to start with a book that is, it's a thing. Uh, I'll tell you that. It is a thing. <laughs> it's a thing. I, uh, I told you this before. 
wink, wink. But uh, yeah, I wouldn't be reading this if you weren't on the podcast because I, oh, this book is wacky. I don't, I don't want to accept all the blame for this. I, think, I don't know, you know who is reading this, how many people. You can't really grab a lot of sales numbers right now, but I can't see that many are. And I do see reviews of I, this. I was going to say, I do click over and there's some people who are writing like this is the best ever they want walter mosley to get a, a long run on the fantastic four and i don't know what they're i don't know what they're or, doing or what what is legal in, in their states but my gosh this book does not make any sense you end up having some user reviews and even the one that's like a 10 out of 10 the guy's going <clears throat> on and on he's like listen this book makes no sense it's ridiculous, and I love it. I'm like, oh, well, well, there you go. I don't know that that's a 10 out of 10 all, for all me. All but... just say, okay, this happens for some reason, and then that happens for some reason. There's no I – mean, there's one point in this book where Walter Mosley tries to throw an aha, here's what's really been going on, but it doesn't really work. This, this, whole, this whole issue is, is Thing just collecting power-ups. Right, so he got the gauntlet. We don't really know what he said. Gauntlet way back in issue one, then a gauntlet showed up. We don't know if that's where it came from. And then he got this teleporting belt from uh, the champion of the universe. And now in this issue, he collects a whole bunch of other stuff. Yeah, it's nonsense. It's the thing number five, written by Walter Mosley, a respected writer. Not this art by Tom Riley. Arts okay. Colors by Jordi Belair. Letters by VCs Joe Sabino. Here we go. The thing was, was attacked by the champion and elder of the universe. The thing managed to defeat the champion and imprison him in the Baxter building while investigating the champion's matter transmitter belt. The thing, Amaryllis, and Bobby were all abruptly teleported to the blue area of the moon. There they were confronted by an army of riot robots and a trio of villains, the faceless one, Terax the Tamer, and the Berserker. Here we go. You end up with a fight. <laughs> so three of them are chumps. Yeah, they are. They chumps. just get beat by spiders. Palookas kids and things and really like you said you're only gonna power up stuff and when you do even have things it's like hey there bobby what you got there i don't know the computer gave me a ball and said that it was good all right give it here i mean what do you get in this it's so ridiculous this idea of you know everybody's not what they seem but with a book that has no sort of ties to anything that i can recognize as normal that doesn't play out well I mean, if this was the idea where, you know, and you do see, and it looks like Bobby might be a watcher. I said this before, whoop-de-doo. You know, I usually get excited about that. I don't want to be in tune here. But you also see that Amaryllis is something else as well. But with this book where I can barely even recognize, if the thing wasn't a rock guy, I wouldn't even know it's him. I mean, he has some lines and whatnot, but... Yeah, none of the characterization. I mean, we find out that some of the characters are supposed to be weird, but they all talk so strangely that it's not like their particular strangeness stands out. Yeah, no, no. And e- even in this, yeah, we, we got these have... three. So we've got these three bad guys, our three heroes, or it's kind of heroes. So they split up, and we get Thing fights the Berserker. And I guess Thing uses his gauntlet to defeat the Berserker. It he just kind of like, disappears. It looks like he grabs his rod. The Berserker gets shot through a wall. And looks like he's dead, but he can't die, so they got to tie him up. But now, all of a sudden, Bobby, who's been hanging out in... Right. We get this, this weird conversation about, is it is it humane to tie up a person who's dead but can't die, who's going to come back and try to kill us again? I, I'm going to say yes. Yeah, I'm I saying yes. yes. Also, Bobby, 
you were there with the champion who was on a slab pretty much being like tortured and sat there and just watched him all night (laughs) in the torture room that reed seems to have in the side right so Uh what are you doing now and so that idea like that just that conversation do you think that tying up this bad guy who tried to kill us is right because he's yeah because that's why i'm tying him up we spend a whole page on that conversation I don't, if this guy could die, so we just leave. But he's going to come and get us then. So, yeah, we'll tie him up. He'll be able to get out eventually. Whatever. I don't care. Oh, but doesn't he have to eat? That's up to him. I, I mean, I'm telling you, whatever, Bobby. Just stop it. Even then where Bobby even gets recognized. You're different. Oh, my God. you're. An, yeah, I think my daddy's a watcher. All right. Whatever. <laughs> you go with this. So Bobby's scene, he runs off into some kind of garden. And yeah. he's being he's being chased by the faceless one, who's this kind of robot spider. And the robot spider gets attacked by actual giant golden spiders who live on the moon, I guess, and just gets swarmed and killed by those. So Bobby has nothing to do with this. And I by the guess way, Bobby this is, watching it happen again. He's a watcher, but he, they even I guess, call him out. I guess on this it. is because what we find out about him later. That's why they don't attack him. But these, I mean, these these spiders have not been hinted at. They come out of nowhere. They just show up because he has to kill. Somebody has to kill and this just say, faceless one. Just say the deal. And at one point, he even like falls. And he's is the center of this faceless one? Is that the same as the orb Bobby has later, or is I, that a completely separate orb? I, it seemed like it, it was the same. the same thing. It seems like it would be, but then he kind of explains it different. But is he duping it? I don't I think know. It, I think it's just an odd coincidence they've drawn the same. But again, it just ends up where this thing could do anything and be anything. So it's wonky anyway. But in this, you even then have, and I think you're pushing the idea of watching because of the idea, hey, you know, I saw this guy, the faces one, he got eaten by spiders and it was disgusting. You sat and watched it? Yeah, kind of, <laughs> a little, but I'm like, I think, yeah. you know, how well, dare I mean, he I, sit I there? I guess because this is the watcher's area. That's why these spiders would defend yeah, one I'm of their I'm just own. saying about Amaryllis is like, I can't believe you watched this. They scatter the word watch around. But yet he's upset that they tie up Berserker. Oh, that's inhuman. You watched a guy get eaten. And yeah, I think <laughs> that this and in the all around, this is not just a watch. This is a watch whose place where he hangs out on the moon. I think that maybe we're going to find out it's just a watch to the, the main deal. So or that's his dad. Because he does say, maybe mm-hmm. my dad was a watcher. Man, that's cool, right? Yeah, whatever, kid. And they just go on there. Where Unfazed. You, yeah. yeah, you end up where Bobby gives the thing this, you know, the sphere and says, the screen over there called in an advisor said that it could tell you anything from how to bake a cake to how to erase a black hole. I thought you could use it. Is this the same item that we saw in Fantastic Four Reckoning War that's, that Reed puts on, gives him the super cosmic awareness, I don't but know. it's also going to kill him in three days? It's, it looks like the same thing. It, it was a, a clear sphere. Now, Ben's in trouble then because Ben actually puts it on his head and it becomes a gladiator freaking helmet. I mean, this doesn't even make sense. So then yeah, all of a sudden, yeah. just to muck it up more, Doom arrives. Dr. Doom arrives and is like, hey, and I, I'm telling you, not a great week for Dr. Doom this week. He ends up getting crap talk <laughs> by the new, you know, Sorcerer Supreme. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. shows up here and I'm telling you, when I'm reading this, you know, it's the thing book. So I'm thinking if these are real people, He's trying to get his spotlight, whatever. Doom probably had to have been, he had to have been given so much money to come into this and like, come on, 
Just say you're lying to get that. He like walks in, probably like it's like it's like those Bruce Willis movies. I think it's yeah. Marlon Brando where they're like, "We'll just give you a lot of money because we got to do this." He's like, "Whatever." We'll tape your lines to a card. I'll put on my forehead and exactly. just beat him off. And so he just walks in. Hey, hey, what's going on? What's hey? It's me. I'm doing. They're gonna fight, but then they're not. And Doom tries to explain. Yeah. I kind of want to help you. I want to. So Doom do this. has taken over the Watchers area on the moon. We don't know where the Watcher is at this point, but Doom's taken over, which kind of seems like it should be a big thing. So his whole deal is that we know his mother is in hell. Mephisto did a thing. But now his mother's trapped by death. So he has this whole plan where he needs to rescue his mother from death. So the way you do that is with robots. Yeah. And, and, and then you spend. The problem is he keeps yelling about death. The idea that he got his mom away from Mephisto, but death, death, death. Mm-hmm. Amaryllis skedaddled. She's not there. There, there actually she... was a little bit of foreshadowing of that last issue where the robots, when Thing was fighting them, said something about death to death or killing death. So, okay, there, it was foreshadowed slightly. Give him half a point of credit for that. Yeah. So all this is going on. You end up having Ben. He has the helmet on, the sphere, and he can see everything and sees, oh, my God, kid, Bobby, what's the deal? You look like, you know, you're back in the Greek times and you look like a watcher. Oh, I guess my... Dad must be a watcher. Oh, that's crazy. Amaryllis comes in. Yeah, it looks weird. The kid turns it. He, he, the way he turns into a watcher is he turns. It sounds weird to say he turns black, but he turns like actually like made of obsidian jet black. Very skinny, wearing kind of. No, the, the watchers are usually kind of these little squat dudes with big heads, right? But he's not. He's little, but he's all skinny with a little head. So I don't know. Maybe this is what baby watchers look like. I've never seen one. And again, he says, you look like a mini watcher. Oh, maybe my father or something. Maybe an uncle. That's why. And he's like, I can see your fate. All right. And you're kind of just throwing things in here. Yeah, I don't think watchers can do that. Watchers don't see the future. They just watch the present. Here's the best part about this. I could give a rat's ass. I'm going to curse here because I don't (laughs) care. This book sucks. You end up Amaryllis comes in. Oh, my God. Ben, let me rub you. Look at this. I've been the bad person all along, and I'm dead. Dun, dun, dun. There it is. She's dead. So Amaryllis reveals that she's herself. She's also Calixte. That's the name, right? The the dating avatar. She's also Alejandro, who was kind of hanging around with uh, Alicia. And she's also, I don't know if, if she's Mott or if she's death or if mod is death she's death all? and maybe mod yeah. is i don't know but she's death she got out of there because doom would have recognized her and attacked so she left the room came back and basically says look at me i'm a skeleton lady grim reaper i haven't felt love since the beginning of time and i love you and you made sweet love to a skeleton oh my gosh and that's it <laughs> it's to be concluded i'm like it's concluded in my mind. This thing concluded a couple of issues ago. This is such bullcrap of just revealing things just to reveal them, to never explain anything. This is one of the worst stories that I've ever read. It is one of the, it, it gets funny when we kind of talk about it, but now it's, I'm getting it's not angry. It's a story. It's just a series of it's crazy events. It's random moments and crazy events that barely tie into each other, but you end up where, again, you know, Walter Mosley, he's a very smart guy. Maybe it makes sense to him, but somebody's got to get to him. I'm sitting here and I'm looking where I see, you know, the editor, Tom Brevoort, who I don't like at all. I think he is a jackass to continue the cursing. He had ended up arguing with me and Brandon all the time. He argues with people. He thinks that his crap doesn't stink. 
this book stinks and somebody should have said to Walter Mosley, what the hell are you writing? This is terrible. What do you give it, though? It's terrible. (laughs) This story doesn't make any sense. Uh, Some of the individual panels look pretty good. I give it 3 out of 10. I'm giving it a 2 out of 10, minus 1, because now I'm angry at Tom Brevoort again. So I'm taking him on. I don't care. It's our podcast. I can do whatever the hell I want. Holy moly. This book is ridiculous. We would have been better served to just leave this behind, but whatever. My blood pressure through the roof. But we're going to go to the next. To go to the oh, next no. book, which I actually like. <laughs> so I'm going to calm down a little. We have Black Panther next. Black Panther number four. Again, another thing with this, I don't hear anybody talking about this book at all. Maybe it's because we have a new Venom book. We have a new Hulk book. We have so many new books that this is being lost in the shuffle. I don't see anybody saying a peep about it. So I wonder how it's selling. But Black Panther number four, The Long Shadow number four, written by John Ridley, art by Juan Cabal with Abraham Mustafa, colors by Matt Miller, and letters by VCs. Josephine, who also does design. And I just wanted to look. Will Moss, another guy I really don't like. I don't like the Marvel editors, by the way, just as a shout out. If any of them would dare to listen, which they won't, I just want to tell you, I don't like you. But at least it's not Tom okay. Brevoard. If Will Noted. Moss is you know, there, I don't like him, but Tom Brevoord, I can't stand. Here we go. After another close encounter with the mysterious assassin, T'Challa decides to regroup in the one place the assassins can't follow, Arako, the Martian sister nation of the mutant run nation of Krakoa. Oh, that sentence didn't even make sense to me. I'm all riled up. On Arako, he reunites with Storm while also secretly alerting his mutant sleeper agent, General Gentile, of the coming danger. Meanwhile, Shuri learns of fractions forming within the Wakanda's parliament in T'Challa's absence and starts to question if Wakanda's new democracy is as stable as it seems. Seems more like she's just looking at fight footage. She's going over the tape. She's like Peyton Manning there, going over the tape. But Breaking down the tape. Yeah, we, we end up with a goodbye with, you know, and it's nice. I, I actually like when you get uh, Storm with Black Panther. I think that that's cool. They are divorced. He ends up spending out, but they still like to smooch there on Mars, and they do. They say goodbye. And they get in their beat deal. And the big thing is, though, that Storm is smarter mm-hmm. than anybody. would. You know, she's one of the smartest ones in the room and the planet, whatnot, knows that Gentile or General has gone yeah. off and had a little discussion with, with T'Challa and wants to know yes. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Wants to know exactly what they were talking about. Then you end up seeing where in the ship as they're, they're heading back to Earth. Mm-hmm. So that sets up, I mean, the, the big theme of this book so far has been distrust, right? That that Black Panther has set up all these sleep agents because he doesn't trust the world. He kind of doesn't trust this new democracy at home. He almost... He kind of trusts his sister more than most people, but he yeah, a lot I think of distrust. He all his sister, place. yeah, that's that's the big theme. And Omololo, who's there and was the agent who ended up, uh, you know, having her lover uh, Jay end up in, getting killed, has what, what, been one of with lovers, him. Yes. Yeah, one of her. We find as, that out. As it and, turns and out, the deal is with that. He even realizes when he starts figuring out some things that she kind of inserted herself into this so he doesn't trust her. That's going to end up. But the setup is that T'Challa's lying to everyone. He's not truthful. And then he's going to throw that at her and everybody else. Oh, how can I trust you? Trust me. You're the one who started all this crap. But the idea where Shuri's going through the tape and she's seeing that all the moves that these assassins ended up doing, they're Wakandan. This is Wakandan fighting art. This is a neat-looking scene. 
Yeah, I, mean, I liked it. But Wakandan tech is supposed to be you know, this great futuristic thing, and, and sometimes it looks great, sometimes it looks a little iffy. This looks great. Yeah, it looks she's great. She's using kind of virtual reality, and she sees – it reminds me of – I think it's called a, a zoetrope, like a, the early movie thing where you had a bunch of little pictures on a wheel, and you spin it around and look through a little crack, and you can see it moving. And so she's got all these individual images from the fight, and she's breaking it down into exactly the kinematics of everything. And the computer then tells her, yeah, this is Wakandan-style fight. It's funny because I thought that what she was going to go – Oh my God! They learned from the constellations. Like, no, it's it, it does look like a planetarium, like there. Plus, yeah. they end up where okay, check the analysis on the items that we found. They got a little scrap of the deal, and it's synthetic vibranium, <laughs> which made me laugh because synthetic vibranium is from the Thing book. Yeah, yeah, and and so with that too, you do end up having this where. Why couldn't they figure that seems to be a big thing to figure out right away. But you end up then going and seeing that Parliament is having some problems. And you do get this Prime Minister, Falasade, mm-hmm. who might be the bad of the bad, might be kind of pushing things or whatever, because she is there to just make sure, you know, our man Achille, are you here for Wakanda? You're not really here for T'Challa anymore because he's not in charge, this democracy. If things come down to any fight or whatnot. Right. So she's the prime minister, but she's not really committed to this whole democracy thing. She thinks it's not working out right. And she looks like she's going to try to at least be in position to seize power if she thinks things are going bad. Yeah. And she doesn't seem all that beat up about that. So, And she wants to know if this secret police guy is going to back her play. And he doesn't quite say yes, but he kind of says yes. And that's the thing. He says, you know, I'm here for Wakanda. What does that mean? You know, that could mean I'm here for you because you're doing But she doesn't seem like she's on the up and up. I think that she's... One of the, I think that it's going to be a network of people who are just trying to bring T'Challa down from within. But you end up where it goes quick, this issue too, because after that, you end up have Achilles walking and gets word that there's a power surge coming from Shuri's lab and realize, oh, holy crap, that somebody's put a bomb there. Now, again, in my this mind. This communication was a little weird. I don't know why these people called him so he could call her. Why don't they just, uh, you know, if there's a power surge in Shuri's lab, Shuri should be the first person to, to see it, right? I would say that what Shuri does in that lab, there's probably power surges every two minutes. I mean, that's what she does. You know what I mean? I think usually, so, yeah. usually when you have the heroes going to find a villain, even, it's because they're doing their thing in a lab and there's power surges. But he realizes there's trouble. He yells to Shuri. Again, this is the weird thing. I like that this is so fast-paced, but there's points where you never even let us relax to think something happened. This building blows up. Her lab blows up. And immediately after, I mean, next panel, she's calling T'Challa. Hey, it's it's Shuri. It- I mean, it would be nice to have a scene. I mean, we know, we know Shuri's not dead. The cover says Shuri's going to get killed, but we know she's not really dead. But it would be nice to have just a scene for us to think, oh, what happened to her? I mean, even if you ended up doing this, an explosion, then go to T'Challa and Arolo and kind of deal to make us keep thinking, oh, my God, what happened to Shuri? Then get back to it. But you have to have this weird – and there's a weird deal here, too, because – I don't know. Shuri, again, is very smart. One of the smartest you know, people in the Marvel Universe. I love her. She's one of my favorite characters. I'm not so sure. This is cliche, but I'm not so sure that Shuri might not have faked her own death here to get to the side so that people think she's not around anymore. That would have been an interesting play, but she didn't, she didn't play she it doesn't. that way. She's right away and calls in. This is the weird deal. She calls T'Challa. He's on the way to Earth. He's like, she says, can you talk? 
He's like, yeah, yeah, what do you mean? I have time. I'm going, no, no, no. I mean, can you talk? And he says, I've got my earpiece. I can right. talk. You're, you're not on speaker, is what he's saying. He's still talking out loud, though. And the things, if you were, the things, if you end up having somebody there that sure he is really concerned, probably that Aurora is, you know, one of the bads or whatever. He's still yelling things out there, which she would just be hearing. He says synthetic vibranium, which if she is, yeah, that would be a tip off. Yeah, that would be a tip. But you end up where, you know, they kind of talk a little loose, you know, not exactly full details. But the the threats from Wakanda, you go with that. And T'Challa seems to think that it's a Rolo. So they end up, you know. Landing outside, they have they kind of go and walk a little to yeah, Wakanda. On the, on the outskirts of Wakanda. Yeah, it's not like they're landing where they shouldn't. She's like, "What gives?" Omolola has an X Men T shirt on. Yeah, which is kind does. of funny. Yeah, he got that at the gift shop on, on Mars. <laughs> so you end up where she's like, "Well, what gives?" And he says, "Listen, uh, yeah, I sure he's been looking at things. I'm kind of thinking of things, and I don't think you're on the up and up." The the weird thing about this is, is that and she there was a cool little line earlier that I like that John really threw in where she ends up saying, listen, I've known you all my life, but I really want to meet you. Like, she doesn't know anything about him because she has been a sleeper agent and stuff. Kind of fun line about if if people are in a, doing deceptions together, can they ever know each other? I thought that was a cool line. What was it? I don't know if two people who share a deception can ever really know each other at all. And that, that's a pretty good line. And then she even said, like, Hey, I kind of know all about you, but I'd like to meet you someday. I'd like to get to know you. But you end up where they're walking. He says, you know, what happened to you and Jay in Chile? And she's like, oh, we were attacked. Well, obviously, he knows this. He's getting it. Like, but you survived. Why do? Oh, he protected me. Yeah, and I wish that this was where you only had Shuri going through with this idea of this is Wakandan attack. She does seem to have the footage, whatnot. I wish that she actually looked fully into this and say. Boy, they really were going all out against Jay, but when they went to her, they did pull their punches. Pull they their did because punches, he's yeah. he's mm. thinking that might have happened. Right. So yeah, we we don't know. He's thinking that she is a traitor. Yeah. That I don't all think she is. Being engineered, but I don't I don't think she is either. I I thought maybe she might be, but the way it's being written, I don't think so. And the evidence is that well, the evidence is that she's still alive. She's the only one who's really survived one of these things. And then he's got all this. She, he's got all this surveillance camera footage. Of her just making out with with dudes just all over. She's got got one of every flavor. So she wasn't just she. He says you were you lied to Jay. You were not faithful. And she has a point. Now with this, this is T'Challa's deal. And we had it set up. It's set up well. He's paranoid. He thinks everybody's against him. At one point, said that he might have to kill the Avengers if they're against him. You know that was way over the top. But the, a paranoid guy. Start seeing clues where they're not and things like that. But he does say, listen, and, and spells it out. I think you're mad because your life had to be away from Wakanda and the, the, you know, the sleeper agent program. Then I see that you're a liar because you lied to Jay. All these. And I think that maybe they pulled their punches. He doesn't really have any evidence. He is really Nothing jumping this stuff. A lot no. of circumstantial evidence. And yeah. she says, listen. I got the CJ once or twice a year. I'm a woman. Yeah, I have needs. I have needs. I'm. I was horned up. Yeah, I had other people. I wish that she said at this point, Jay knew about this and he did whatever. But he, she even says, "Look at you. You're lying to your ex-wife about things, and you're doing. You're the one. You are so paranoid that you're seeing things that aren't there. And believe me, I'm not. I'm not the one. 
and it's fight time. They're going to fight. And they both, I'm telling you, the idea that she says to T'Challa, you're not that good. I'm like, no, nah, he's pretty good. I mean, this is Black Panther here. Right. And the, idea, the idea of this fight scene is they're both supposed to get a chance to kind of show off a little bit, right? We got, I'm a, I'm ahead, you're ahead. But it's Black Panther's book, so he's he got eventually. Or and he's and I, think, I think this... I think this fight scene looks a little better than ones in the past, but it's still it's still not a great fight scene. We're kind of a lot of wasted space. There a lot is. of blank it's, areas. It's very blank. Uh, but with that, is this you know if you want to go you know layers or whatever? Is T'Challa using some attacks to see if she could legitimately defend against these? Because if she can't, then it's really spelled out. The assassins would have killed you. I used a real low technique in you, but they're going back and forth. He ends up giving the reverse headbutt. It looks like to end up stopping her, uh, which isn't that fancy a move. So I don't know how it's played, but she does say, I guess maybe if you've got the black Panther kinetic energy suit on, it's a little yeah, fancy. again, though, these guys with their suits and things like that, maybe he is testing her a little. And maybe she passed. I don't know, but she says, look me in the eye. I'm not the one. I didn't betray you. And you end up where you have a weird thing. And I thought that this should have been played out more because I'm with you. I didn't quite get it at first at the end. You see Shuri come in with her birds. Which is kind of cool. So we know it's her because no one else comes in as a flock of birds. And then. Could they be a flock of seagulls? They're not seagulls. Get an 80s (laughs) reference in, but you go on. So so T'Challa looks like he might be about to execute Omolola. Which he probably wouldn't, but he's set up to do it. And that's when Shuri flies in and, and, and says, stop it. If she tries anything, we will kill her. And then Omolola asks the obvious question, who, who is this we? And our final page reveal is we've got Achille and the rest of the, oh, what do they call The Hatu Zaraze. Yeah, the, the secret the police. Kind of secret the police. They're riding him. And I thought at first that these were... The assassin bad guys. That's kind what of, I oh, thought. Oh, Shuri's on. And I was like, what's going on with Shuri? Some yeah. crazy conspiracy. No. But no. But it is still kind of tense because we know that uh, Achille is also kind of in league with Prime Minister Lady, who's not quite on the up and up. So maybe there is a connection to these assassins. Something's coming together. Yeah, I don't feel like Achilles anything with her. I think that that's why she went and talked to him and said, are you with Wakanda? He said, I'm with Wakanda because the idea we've seen that he's He's pretty close then again. That could be the swerve. He wants to be on the good side, but he's not really sure where his duty lies. Yeah. Well, he saved Shuri, so I like him right now. But yeah, his duty is to Wakanda. And I do think in this is the idea maybe, too, that they know that Omolola, she is not bad. So she's stepping in. They're stepping in to stop this. They say if she tries anything, we'll kill her. But I think that they want to make sure... You know, we're not just going to let Black Panther just run rough shot and do what he wants. Now, you know, with Shuri showing up, like, why did they show up? Like, what is the deal? What it? Because Shuri showing up almost feels like all of a sudden she might have figured out something else, even, and shows up to stop this before it happens. But we'll see. Right. We don't. We don't know why she's arriving. We don't know what kind of secret conversations or information they shared at the end of that little chat. I I did like it though. A- again. The art at points does get a little sparse. I wish it was a little more detailed, especially backgrounds. But when it's good, it's really good. Uh, but yeah, that fight scene, and we've had problems with the fight scenes all along. Those are the weak part of this. And mm-hmm. it seems like, you know, Juan Cabal is not doing a great job with these fight scenes and the choreography. But 
with all that, what would you give it? Well, overall, I think it's a pretty good story. I think there's some some things I'm going to be thinking about, about how things are connected, which is always a good sign. The art is is on the okay side of not great, and I'm going to give it a 7.8 out of 10. I'm an 8 out of 10. This is probably my book of the week, I believe, as we go. And it's been a down week for me personally, but... You know, I, I actually am liking this Black Panther more than I ever thought I would. So that's kind of the, you know, give it props here. I'm actually enjoying it, you know, much to the amazement probably of everybody listening or whatnot, more than the Venom book, more than the whole mm-hmm. stuff that mm-hmm. I was really looking forward to that came out at the same time. These Those three books kind of hit around the same time. And I'm really enjoying this a lot more, even with me being worried about it at the beginning, thinking, oh, here we go, these sleeper agents and deals. But I do like seeing T'Challa doing this deal where he is so paranoid that he might be seeing things that aren't there and stuff like that. But we have one more book here. It is Moon Knight, Moon Knight number nine. This is a fan favorite of this book. Not really a Jim favorite, but a fan favorite. And it's written by Jed McKay, art by Alessandro Copaccio. The colors by Rachel Rosenberg and letters by VCs Corey Petit. Moon Knight was portrayed by his friend Terry, who revealed himself to be the supervillain Zodiac in disguise. Zodiac blew up the Midnight Mission and gave Moon Knight a brutal beating before escaping. Moon Knight has now taken up temporary residence at a local bar, which he continues to carry out his mission in the hunt for Zodiac. Zodiac secretly confronted Moon Knight's therapist, Dr. Andrea Sturman, at her home. Here we go. And it's another kind of feeling. And these are all going to tie in together. And it all is one deal. But coming out of that Devil's Reign deal where you couldn't have Mark and, you know, the whole deal, you ended up having mm-hmm. the Hunter's Moon. And people, a lot of people just skip that one. You go back here and it, you don't get any zodiac deal for the most part you just get this kind of one-shot deal horror thing right it, it, it's mostly like a one-shot it has ties in with some past things has some ties in hinting at future things but it's mostly a self-contained one-shot story i i was looking forward like i think i said last time i want more of more zodiac but it doesn't seem like that's what we're going to be getting even in the next few issues but so i think once i accept that okay this is basically a one-shot issue i was i was pretty okay with it although like I, I hinted at, at on uh, the Slack chat, it really feels like this started off as a Doctor Who script, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And with me, it just, I don't know, it, it's kind of boring. I end up where we had some things, like everything is, like you said, Doctor Who, but even with the idea of like a Twilight Zone and things, and I know these are things that Moon Knight books are and whatnot. You get a lot of one shots, you get a lot of things, but even the stuff with having the Midnight Mission in the bar, I we didn't really see much of it, but I didn't mind that. I like this idea of it being some different. Getting thing. the last and, issue we had, I remember a couple of really gorgeous panels of like the Art Deco look to the bar, but we that's all we saw. Of it. Yeah, I actually didn't mind that. I don't think I sat there and like, oh my god, they need a new building for the Midnight Mission. I like this idea in this where Moon Knight is kind of behind the eight ball. He ends up having a vampire secretary, like all these things feel like okay, this is something new, and it's it's him. Especially Mark kind of coming off that, you know, age of Conchu deal and the, the Avengers don't trust. Nobody trusts him, but he's still trying to be good. I like the idea that he was kind of more and, and in a bar more and more street level, even for a street level guy in this. You know, he is cosmic, but with Conchu dead, all that stuff. But he's, he's like street level, but spooky. Yeah. And so you get into this and it's really just in my mind a really cliched. And a really surface level horror story that you could guess, you know, you don't even have to guess because it really doesn't do much. He ends up finding out some people have disappeared on the sixth floor of a building, but there's no sixth floor. So he goes there and it's a 
demon entity deal that ends up pretty much spitting him out like he's vomit. And he has to figure out what's going on because he still has to save these people and find out. Right. He's trying to figure out. So it, it spits him out because it lures people in and then it touches their mind. But because his mind is so screwed up, it's like having bad sushi and it, out it goes. Yeah. So when he touched, yeah, exactly. He touches mind. But we've seen this. We, we see the attack even sweaty janitor deal was come and take my mind and oh my god i can't so you end up where yeah you end up where he's gonna go back and he talks to his you know his therapist and stuff like this about her saying and what is she up to whatnot because even her you're pretty bad at this dude maybe you should stop but she's like you're not it's not great you're causing more trouble did you ever think of stopping whatnot no no i can't i gotta go he goes and sees wong and I like this beginning, just the, hey, you know, you owe me a favor. You owe me, you owe me a favor. All right, whatever. <laughs> I'll owe you a favor, but he needs something. Kind of funny because, I mean, that is connecting to actual things. Well, what, yeah, you know, it was kind of funny. Yeah, so it connected to when uh, they were going after Mephisto in Las Vegas. So that's when Wong owed Moon Knight a favor. But, but then, then he Wong reminds him that you took over the whole freaking world. <laughs> it took stole Stephen Strange's power. Like, oh, okay, they got me there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're kind of in. So if you want to fail again, I like this idea where Wong. Plus, like, Wong is probably hung over as hell. I right know. Now. Look at him. I love the idea where you have the play where you think that Mark's like. Yeah, we we just play around with You see Wong go off and write in this book He owes me a big favor You see all the people that own favors uh, But he ends up wanting to know About this building and he ends up where The best place to do would be to go You know, the Blaker Street, find out the stuff So he does, and then he comes back here and it's like Okay, here we go, we're gonna find out And I'm gonna go in, and what this all Just ends up being is this You know, entity of this building that Dr. Strange ended up having, the House of Shadows, and that it's lonely. It needs people. It's a house. It needs to do what it does. He has a chat. He kind of threatens it. I have all these bombs. I could blow you up if I needed to, but let's let's just talk. So first he thought that the building wanted to eat people, but now it turns out that the building just kind of, it wants to be a a house. It It wants wants to to do its deal. Everybody has a purpose. And it wants to be lived in. It wants to be so. It's kind of forcing. Which is what feels very Doctor Who to me. What the 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 big bad turns out to actually have a goal, and we can get along together. That feels very Doctor. It's also feeling a lot like everything in comics nowadays, where you really can't have anybody being bad. Everybody's just a bad guy is just a hero you haven't met yet. Like the idea. I mean, I don't think that's true in this book. I think the the villains the villains in this book have been real bad guys. I think not this one, but the other ones have. Even the sweaty jet, everybody's taken over. I just, but this thing really feels like, say, a Medusa being not a bad person in the Wonder Woman book. And I just, I just rolled my eyes because by the end, all this is is a one shot just to get a new building. The Midnight Mission, I didn't even think we needed that. I actually like the bar deal. And so now you just get this building that, hey, this is what we're going to do. We have a new Midnight Mission. This is awesome. And then at the end, you're like, oh no. There's trouble, and you do see the Ravencroft escape deal of Rutherford Winter, and it just says to be continued where we see him there watching. And I just, I don't think you need to read this issue, even if you're, you know, invested in this, but you're like, yeah, I have to. So many big books came out. Oh, I'll tell you, they have a new Midnight Mission building. That's it. It's not super tied in with the continuing story. I, I like that we kind of say, okay, we're, we're done with Devil's Reign. I think, uh, Moon Knight even says at one point, well, I, I broke out of prison, so I can go back to what I'm doing. So yeah, you even have the therapist point out. Happen, the man. therapist even points out, listen, I know that's a weird deal, too. She's like, hey, I know you went away 
and you were gone. But I didn't call the Avengers because I figured, yeah, you were up to things and like the prison and that because he got I lost in the house as well. I just, what is she doing then? If she's not calling them, I- what she's doing is remember she was threatened at the end of two issues ago by Zodiac. So Zodiac is using her as some sort of a cat's paw. So he wants to use her. So that's why she's saying weird things like, "Oh, maybe you shouldn't be a superhero." Yeah, so I'm not that interested. Funny there. <laughs> I'm not. Oh, okay. I just I'm bored with this book. I know that a lot of people love it, but I I just. The nature of it and how Jeb McKay's writing it with these one shots that will connect eventually. I, it, with me and Moon Knight and the character and this whole deal, I need more each issue than just that. And I am at a point now at issue nine where I'm probably liking half of the issues, but not liking the other half or not caring. It's not that I don't like it, just don't care. I end up reading this. I'm like, okay, we got a kind of a horror comic about a house that wants people to live in it. Midnight Mission. I'm like, I really don't really don't have any investment in this and really if this was a book that you know i i think i even had it on my play it's off my pull list i just not interested and i'm not getting enough each issue though it's selling great people love it and everybody has the right to love everything but i just it's not for me uh but what would you give it i'm having fun with this i i think once i accept that we're gonna have some one-shot kind of stories i think they're fun one-shot kind of stories I think it's it's neat having the spooky Moon Knight character have his new spooky headquarters. I think it feels almost like it's out of a, a Buffy or Angel kind of look and kind of like a Doctor Who kind of thing. And the art, again, I think the art is unimpeachable. The yeah, I don't like the art. Gorgeous. You don't like no, the art? No, I don't like it at all. I think it's too now, scratchy. Now you're just having a bad week. No, I'm telling you, it's too scratchy. It's too... I like the colors. I don't like the art. That, that scene, page eight, where you see him in this spooky house and we have this kind of weird panel by panel with the, the creepy skeletons and creepy eyes. Nah, nah. I think that that's an amazing page. Yeah, I don't like it. I, I think it's, it's there's a lot of hocus pocus. Uh, but I think it's some scenes just because there's a lot of stuff. It's almost like the Black Panther stuff that we said, like some of the outdoor scene, everything just looks too sterile. Yeah, you get in the horror part of it, but I, I don't like the pencil heavy art with the costume. I, I just don't like it. I, it's not my thing. Again, I just I haven't really loved the art from the beginning. And this issue didn't change. I like the colors more than the art. But like when the thing where he says, I have something to offer you, come with me with that. Just like it, it just looks like a bunch of pencils and, and black ink being thrown That's in there. That's not my is, favorite panel. It, it, I had a I had a look at that panel a couple times to figure out where his face was. I, I agree that's not a great one, but other than that panel, I, I really so like there. It. I disagree with you. You're not winning me over with this one, but uh, yeah. So what would <laughs> your score be? I'm at an eight point three out of ten. I like this book. I'm I don't a care five. What you say. I'm a five out of ten. Five, and wow. yeah, I'm done with this. A couple of big disagreements. Here's this week. the thing with this book too. Uh, in my mind, I think that you might as well just wait for trade or read it in the uh, Infinite app. I don't think that you get enough each issue, especially with the one-shot deal, that I think it probably would read better all in one time and save yourself I, some I money. I think the one-shots read better week to week. Yeah, I don't, if we I have don't a whole like story, it. I'd rather read it all together. But if I'm getting a, 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 a kind of a fun one-shot every month, I'm pretty happy yeah, with I'm, that. I'm saying up until now, it's like 50 bucks you've spent on this. I don't think it's 50 bucks worth of story going on so far. That we've gotten since the beginning of this book. But again, people love it. I think that the idea of this, because Jed McKay had even talked about at one point that he likes to get things going real quick in case uh, it gets canceled or whatever. Whatever this book is doing, I think that it's selling well enough that they have said, hey, go with the plan. You can relax. You get, can do your deal. Some, some people are space. saying that they really think it's going to end at 12. 
and I don't know why because it's selling I so well. Imagine, but no. I don't I mean, know. It is not. It's not paced like it's going to end it well because we're going off into some sort of a story about Rutherford Winter, and we have yet to come back to Zodiac. I keep. I keep wanting to say Arcade. I think. I don't think I've said Arcade yet. No, but no. I keep but Zodiac. So I would like to see more of Zodiac because that was something we were interested in, but we're kind of getting away from that for a little, and it's going to be one of those where. You know, this issue will set up a little bit there, and that issue sets a little there, and it's just not interesting enough for me, not being a huge Moon Knight fan. I want this to convince me to be, but I'm not really getting enough for myself. So, yeah, it's definitely not my book of the week, but what's your book of the week? My book of the week is Fantastic Four number 41, oh, my The goodness. Reckoning War. Yes, mine is actually Black Panther number 4. Uh, and with that, though, what is your cover of the week? My cover of the week is Moon Knight number nine, which is by uh, Corey Smith and Rochelle Rosenberg. It's this great kind of MC Escher look. Even the title and this, the the credits are kind of at a crooked angle. And I'm a sucker for all the MC Escher stuff, so that gets my vote. Yes, mine is actually. <laughs> Again, there's two Alex Ross covers. I actually like the Black Panther <laughs> one. So I'm going to keep going with that with the Black Panther, even though the Captain America, the, uh, what is it? The Iron Man Captain America cover is really good, but I do like the Shuri cover for Black Panther number four, Alex Ross, who is your gem of the week? Well, bang, bang. for a while there, I thought my gem was going to be Goldie for throwing that snowball and helping to save Elektra, but he, at the end of that book, he turns out to be very much not a gem. Yes. So uh, the, the snakes were kind of up there, but I'm going to go with Johnny Storm. That's mine. Bing for bang. saving Spire and also being okay with his ex-girlfriend That's my whole being engaged to another dude. He actually seems relieved by it even, maybe. But uh, my, <laughs> my gem of the week is Johnny uh, because, again, he – where he doesn't realize that it seems like he's being duped by Reed to go do that, he is doing that, going against Reed's wishes, he thinks, and going and saving – you know, his ex-lover and wife too, and then not being mad and actually saying, you know, the mission and all that, and you look happy, all that. So I thought that that was the deal. Johnny is mine as well. Here we go. Next week, hopefully, I like things you know, at better. At least we agree on something. Yeah, we agree on something here because we didn't agree much uh, this week. But, Johnny Storm bringing people together. Yes, doesn't he always? But with that, here's the books that we'll be talking about next week. Two of these will be on the Patreon-only spotlight where you can go to them pick by the badasses to get fresh crew. Uh-uh. And just as the shout-out this week, just to let everybody know, once again, it was Strange Number 1. And what if Miles Morales, a uh, number one, the whole Captain America deal. So there's a little we hint. kind of liked one of those books. Yeah, we did. One was a, a book and the other we liked. But with that, it gives you a hint. The badasses, they like their number one. So here's what we get for next week. You can make your decisions of what you think the badasses will pick. But Devil's Reign, number five of six. That's pretty cool. We end up having that little bit pushed from the Electra book earlier, so I'm looking forward to that. We got Thor number 23, God of Hammers 5 of 5, so we'll see uh, what's going on there. We have Amazing Spider-Man number 92, looking like Jed McKay jumps on with, you know, the lizard deal and the daughters Save of the us, dragon. Save us, Jed McKay, yeah, our only hope. Venom number 6, another book that we disagree on, and we're back to Ram V, but so we'll be doing that stuff with Dylan, the symbiote, all that. Then we have Strange Academy number 17. We'll see. We've kind of skipped those recently, but it looks like this might be the last one until you end up then 
going into that season two deal, but I'm not sure. But we get the ending of Hawkeye Kate Bishop, five of five. That's good with that's ending. Punisher number one, one of eight. That's a big book that Ooh, is probably going to be picked by the badasses. Spider Gwen Gwen verse number one of five. Probably picked by the baddest as well. Another big book. Tim Seeley at doing least, that. Uh, it'll be we know one person who's going to vote for it. Yes, at least. and then uh, Captain Carter, number one of five. So you end up having a bunch of number ones. We'll see what that is, but that is the end of the podcast. Thanks everybody. Go over to our Twitter at WS Marvel Comics. Follow us. We'll follow you back. Also, then go to our website weirdsciencemarvelcomics.com. Check out our Instagram weirdsciencecomic, and then. At the end of all and that, send goes us some to email actually yeah, while yeah. you're at it. While you're at the computer, you know, tell us tell us what you think about some of these books. We have some different opinions out there. If you think think I'm crazy for liking Moon Knight, yeah, send us an no, email. No, they're not going to say that. Everybody loves the book. Also, go to the Patreon, Patreon.com/slash/weirdscience. But that is it. Thank you, Jason. Thanks everybody for Thank listening, Jim. Jason. What do we say at the end of the podcast? Have a great week. Keep it marvelous, and we'll see you in seven. You are all weirdos. <laughs> Weird science is the revolution. Weird science is the revolution. Weird science is the revolution.